Hello, and welcome to Disney Rewind, a Disney nostalgia podcast served with a glass of wine. We are your hosts, Adina Winnett and Rachel Seedman. In each episode, we break down a piece of Disney media and pair it perfectly with a glass of wine. Disney Rewind is a member of the Disney Podcast family. Head over to at Disney Podcast family on Instagram to see all the latest episodes and posts from our show and links to other great Disney podcasts. Cheers. Hello. Hello. How are you doing today? Tired. I'm good though. How are you? Hey, you know, it's that it's that winter blues time. It's just dark all the time and therefore I'm tired all the time. Yes, but also I just went to Disneyland, like very spur of the moment, very fun. So I'm still recovering from that two days later. But you know, <laughs> it it's a good it's a good hangover to be recovering from. Absolutely. For sure. Um, but let's just jump right into this because I think we have a lot to talk about. What is our movie this week? I am super excited. Um, it will be a definitely interesting thing to talk about, but we are going to be doing Disenchanted. So, so much fun to watch this movie. You know, we did Enchanted not too long ago, or actually knowing me and I can't keep track of our episodes much longer than I think ago. Uh, And so it's very cool that we get to do the sequel as soon as it comes out. I am very excited to talk about this movie because it is so many years in the making that this movie Mm -hmm. is now finally here with us. I just had to pull up uh, Enchanted was episode 27. Oh my gosh, we're on 51. That was so long ago. It really was a very long time ago. So let's jump right in. Rachel, tell us, when did this movie come out? (laughs) So this movie premiered at the El Capitan Theater on November 16th, which fun fact was the day we recorded our last episode as we were recording this movie was premiering, uh, which is just super fun. Uh, And it was released to the United States on Disney Plus on November 18th. So again, very soon after we finished our last recording. It was directed by Adam Shankman and written by Brigitte Hales. Oh boy, was this an Adam Shankman movie. Yes, it most certainly (laughs) was. It made me laugh. But what didn't make me laugh was this appalling Disney Plus description that we got. Here we go. This is horrible. A sequel to the box office hit Enchanted, featuring the original cast from the heartwarming story. What? What? What if you what if you haven't seen the original movie? What who is in the original cast? What is the actual plot of this movie? I, I, nothing. We get literally nothing. Literally nothing. So with that being said, I give a little bit more. I should hope so. <clears throat> Yeah, by this point, you guys know that we'll give more. Ten years after her happily ever after in New York City, Giselle realizes that the after part isn't all she expected it to be. She is inspired to make a change and moves her family to the suburbs of Monroeville. However, that doesn't bring the happily ever after for the whole family and drives a wedge between her and stepdaughter Morgan. When Giselle and Robert's new baby is given an Andalasian wishing wand from Edward and Nancy, Giselle seizes the opportunity to wish for her life to be a fairy tale. While her wish comes true, it also comes at a price. She becomes exactly who she's meant to be in a fairy tale, a wicked stepmother. That was very good. Ooh. 
now see, don't you want to watch that movie? Oh, so much better. (laughs) Not to discredit you, but it would literally have been impossible for you to have written a worse summary. That's true, though I'm realizing upon reflection that I forgot the word musical somewhere in here. Damn. Oh, my God. I didn't even notice that either. (laughs) So, But because obviously even as I'm writing notes, I can't remember things. Let's help myself not remember things. What are we drinking today, Adina? I am really excited for this wine. I did not know what route I was going to take at all because, again, I was so – perfectly trying to find a wine from New York for Enchanted. That didn't happen. We had a wine from New York earlier this season. So I have gone with Dreaming Trees Crush Red Blend. Now, I'm going to give a quick description of this wine. This wine brings juicy red fruit with good mid-palate weight from the Merlot, ripe, jammy flavors from the Zinfandel, and dark fruit and structure from the Petite Syrah and Tanat. This blend of California's finest varieties results in a very tasty, complex wine with lots of fruit flavors and a long, soft finish. Mm. So it is a red blend, obviously. I brought, I, I mentioned all of the different grapes that are in this wine. Um, the aromas you're going to get are smoky berry and raspberry jam. And the tasting notes will be juicy red fruit and dark fruit, ripe, jammy flavors, Uh. and of course, a long, soft finish. So Rachel, cheers. Cheers. Getting the raspberry on the nose for sure. Mm -hmm. I really like that description of like smoky berry on the nose. Mm -hmm. That's, that is a little on the nose, but that's exactly what I'm getting. I'm so sorry. That's exactly what I'm getting. And it's really nice. I like this quite a bit. Oh my gosh. This is so smooth. Very jammy, very fruit forward, really mm-hmm. getting all of those flavors and notes that were mentioned in the description. So I'm very excited. Now, we've had a lot of red blends on this podcast, so I'm not going to go into <laughs> California red blends. Uh So that's one reason why I picked this wine, because I did not have to do so much research on the wine. Reason Mm -hmm. number two, the magic memory tree is obviously a huge part of the movie. And so I was searching like tree wine, and this is one of the first ones that comes up. It's actually a really gorgeous bottle. It is. I love it. It has like a tree, and there's like little leaves that are gold. And so it was really reminiscent of... The movie. You're not seeing the gold leaves? No, I am. My oh. bottle, I just have the back of it turned and I've not read this bottle like you told me to not do any research, but it, now I'm seeing things on this bottle that I'm confused about. Okay. So this wine, this winery uh, was created in collaboration with Grammy Award winner Dave Matthews. Guys, yes, Dave Matthews has a winery, and I thought Dave Matthews has nothing to do with Disenchanted, but I figured that this was made even more perfect because we just watched a musical masterpiece, and now we're having Mm -hmm. this wine created by another musical genius, (laughs) and it just, it was just 
Chef's kiss amazing. So just a couple of things about <laughs> this winery before we get into the movie. I was really excited to see Rachel's reaction and it did not disappoint. Okay. So the quote, which is actually on the back of the bottle that I have from our other co-founder, Sean McKenzie, who is the winemaker. For Crush, Dave and I hand-selected a special blend of our favorite varieties to create a red wine that pulls you in with notes of smoky berry and a pop of raspberry jam. Around the dinner table or out on the patio, it's a wine you're going to want to share with your favorite people. And I just thought that that's like a wonderful tie-in to us, a wonderful tie-in to our movie. Um, But this wine is actually very well regarded. It received 90 points and a gold medal from the 2021 San Diego Wine and Spirits Challenge. And it also receives gold medals at the 2019 San Francisco International Wine Competition and a gold medal at the 2019 San Francisco Chronicle Wine Competition. So this is a very well regarded California wine. You go, Dave Matthews. I know. So this winery, there's not too much on the website. They're really focused on sustainability and giving back to the environment, which I really love. But how they came together to make this wine, this is from the website, made made me smile. When you get two people together who share the same passion, interesting things are bound to happen. Hey, just like us. Whether... Whether it's finding the right notes and rhythms in a piece of music or the right tones and flavors in a great bottle of wine, Sean and Dave know how to create something special that not only entertains, but really hits the spot. Like the saying goes, great minds drink alike. Oh my gosh, I love that. (laughs) But yeah, so we know about Dave Matthews and he has a big passion for winemaking And apparently it stretches back almost as long as his love for music. And he had a winery in Virginia as well. So he is not an amateur. And then when he came to California wine country, he absolutely fell in love and was like, I can't go at it alone. So he brought in Sean McKenzie, who is from New Zealand. You know how much I love New Zealand wines. And Mm -hmm. he has spent a lifetime of winemaking, perfecting his craft all around the world And at the Dreaming Tree, Sean demonstrates his ability to preserve California's most prestigious growing regions and their respective styles through the winery's portfolio's stellar lineup of wines. So they have a few different um, varietals as well on their website, but I thought it would be nice to go with this blend because this movie is all about the blending of two different worlds. So Mm -hmm. I thought that that would be a very fun tie-in, but I'm very much enjoying this wine, and I think it will be a lovely accompaniment to discussing this movie. Yeah, absolutely. This is quite nice, and I really did not know that Dave Matthews, like, if you were to tell me, like, hey, we're going to have a Dave Matthews wine, I'd be like, "Mm, are we? Um, But this is quite nice. Like, if he really, like, if this is really his passion, like, it does come through because this is a lovely wine. It's quite, I'm, color my surprise is all I have to say It's a very easy to drink wine. I can imagine this with many a food pairing, but they recommend barbecue ribs, Vietnamese style pork sandwiches, that is extremely specific, or vegetarian stuffed poblano peppers. Okay, I was about to say, I need something that I can eat in this list because you're just- I got you. Things I can't eat. I got you. But okay, okay, I could see that. That This is really nice and I could definitely see it pairing. I get with the Vietnamese 
flavoring actually this would be very good with that spice balance Mm -hmm. Mm. it needs like Mm -hmm. a big bold like because this is it this is not a big bold wine this is very fruit forward very soft delicate so I can see it pairing with really big bold foods and doing so quite nicely Mm -hmm. so let's get into this movie obviously guys if you haven't watched Disenchanted spoilers ahead Many. As we get into this, so I know that, one, there were less facts than I was expecting there to be. I was really hoping there was going to be a lot more interviews or a lot more things coming out like through D23 or just through just something as like, get excited, get hype, here's some fun things that you might have missed. So there's not a lot. And so this is going to be structured a little bit differently on my side of things because I know Adina looked into some production history and of course our actors. So I did something different and I just have two deep dives on two different topics about this movie instead because I was like, well, we could both talk about production or we can do different things. So I'm going to hand it over back to you to talk about production and get us into the movie and then I'll, I'll get into my deep dives. Wonderful. So this is the ridiculous timeline that is the development of Disenchanted. Now, as we all know, Enchanted came out in 2007. That was 15 years ago. Long time. It is a long time. Honestly, the thought of having an Enchanted sequel has been in talks pretty much since Enchanted came out because it was a huge success. So I'm going to take it back to February 2010 which is when Variety reported that Walt Disney Pictures had planned to film a sequel with Barry Josephson and Barry Sonnenfeld producing once again. Jesse Nelson was attached to write the screenplay and Anne Fletcher was assigned to direct. Disney hoped that the cast members from the first film would return and they were hoping to release this as early as 2011. Oops, then what happened? (laughs) Well, and also, like, that seems like a very reasonable amount of time for a sequel to a movie like this. Like, that's... Absolutely. Reasonable. So, January 12th, 2011, we have Alan Menken, who was asked about the sequel in an interview. Again, I have just said Variety mentioned could be as early as 2011 that a sequel could come out. Alan Menken said, I've heard things, but there's nothing yet. I don't know much about what's happening with that. Honestly, I don't know what the studio wants to do next. I presume there will be some future projects for me to work on. Duh, Alan Menken. (laughs) Duh. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) And then, March 28th, 2011, James Marsden, star of our first film, was asked about the sequel. And he said, "Mm, I don't know. I think that the clock is ticking on that one. Amy Adams and I are both saying, if there's going to be a sequel, we're not getting any younger. Then, nothing happens. Clearly, people are asking. Flash forward to July 2014. Disney hired screenwriters J. David Stern and David N. Weiss to write a script for a sequel and also hired Anne Fletcher to direct the film. So we're bringing her back in. As I said already, this is Adam Shankman. Clearly a Shankman film. (laughs) Anne Fletcher. (laughs) On September 29th, 2015... So we're skipping forward another year and a half. It was announced that the Enchanted sequel was now under the working title Disenchanted. We're getting there, people. We are getting there. It is taking forever. On October 6th, 2016, 
it was announced that Adam Shankman would replace Ann Fletcher as the director of the film. Could I find more details about this? Absolutely not. I found one thing just about the directorial changes. And the Mm. only thing that I found is because they were moving Ann Fletcher to Hocus Pocus 2. Mm. That's why she got moved off of this. Like she was slated to do this. She was slated. And then she was getting moved to Hocus Pocus. And so then they were bringing on Adam Shankman. You are absolutely correct, but why was she moved? That I don't know. So now, we have our director. It is now January 15th, 2018. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you guys are seeing my face through all of these times. Literally, this is just me like going through and seeing what teeny bits of information I can find. Guys, this is absurd. As you're saying all these dates, like... I remember all of these times and like you would see on Twitter, you'd see just a random thing from variety. Like you would see something come out. You're like, oh my gosh, they're going to do an Enchanted sequel. Then nothing. Then you'd see another thing. You're like, oh, it's actually going to happen. Then nothing. So like this is just really taking me back. Mm -hmm. Now it's January 2018 and Adam Shankman has revealed that the script was almost finished. Dear Lord. (laughs) And he also confirmed that this movie would have more songs than the original film, but an equal amount of hand-drawn animation. Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz would also return to write songs for the film. So January 2018, lots of things announced. Big month. Big month, but then nothing for another year and a half. We get to May 21st, 2019. During an interview, Alan Menken revealed that the film... Hasn't been greenlit yet. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) It was still in the early stages of development Uh with the writers still trying to get the script right. Shut your face. Nope. Not going to. (laughs) Ben, in February 2020, Stephen Schwartz said that talks about the sequel have taken place in London and revealed that Adam Shankman will also write the film. What? I thought we already had the writers. Nope, guess not. All right, now is where we finally get into some details, and they all take place over COVID. In March 2020, it was reported that the film has finally, finally, finally entered the pre-production stage of development. In, I know. Sorry, it wasn't in pre-production this whole time because I feel like that's exactly what it was. Right. Okay. I want to know what they thought all of this lead up was. Pre-pre-pre-production? Mm-hmm. Sure. The pre-pre. Pre-pre-pre-pre-pre. Pre-pre-pre. <laughs> in, in April of 2020, Alan Menken did confirm that he and Steven Schwartz had begun writing songs for the film. <laughs> it, December 10th. 2020. During the Disney investors meeting, it was announced that Disenchanted would indeed be coming to Disney Plus, along with the confirmation that Amy Adams would be reprising her role as Giselle. I'm sorry. Yeah, I definitely thought that we didn't need to state that at any of these moments up in like, why does this need to be said? Was there a moment that she wasn't going to? I don't know, because then on December 21st, 2020, they finally confirmed that Patrick Dempsey was returning as Giselle's husband. And then we go into 
Filming. Filming for Disenchanted took place in Ireland with construction work on a medieval set beginning in May 2021. Rachel has a few things to say about the filming location, so I'm going to just skip on over and we've finished wrapping, but uh uh-oh, movie needed reshoots in 2022 following a tepid response at a test screening or at several test screenings more likely. So more filming took place in Buckinghamshire and then back in New York City. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. All, all of y'all have now seen the journey that this film has been on. Whew, it's a long way. It's, it's a lot. It's been a long time coming. It's been a long time coming. I went through like, what year is it? 2022. I went through many years of my life waiting and waiting and waiting over 10 years over 10 years did we start this in 2011 was when those first talks over, were did we go over yep. 10 years waiting for this movie oh my god absolutely we did f- well yeah february 2010 oh was my when, god when variety reported that there were plans for a sequel you know Variety. I'm not gonna you 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 write in at your own pace, but who was your source? Can you cite your sources, please, Variety? Because for you to say that in 2010 and this movie not come out until November 2022. <sighs> what happened, Variety? I really don't know. But I think you should tell us a little bit more about the actual production. Because I said a lot about pre-production and pre-pre-production so what about (laughs) production rachel the pro okay (laughs) so as i said earlier there's not a lot of facts so while we do have our production facts i decided that i wanted to talk about these filming locations because half the reason i chose this movie is because i was just there in the filming locations earlier this summer without knowing or planning. I knew that I was there eventually, but without planning to go to disenchanted filming locations, I did. So I want to just take us back, give you a little Rachel history, and also talk about these filming locations. So we're going to talk first and spend a lot of time talking about Enniscary, Ireland, which is in County Wicklow, outside of Dublin. Much of Monroeville in Monroelasia, which... (laughs) Much of it was filmed in Enniscary, Ireland. And so earlier I was there and I just, I want to talk about how beautiful this place is. And it's, oh my it's God. absolutely stunning. So taking it all the way back, I was in Europe earlier this summer. I kind of mentioned it. And then let's just say Rachel had a bit of summer from hell, but the last good day was the day that my mom and I went to Enniscary, Ireland. And so we didn't know where really we were going. I was told by one of my greatest friends, Bailey, that there is this garden in Ireland that you have to see. It's called Powers Court Gardens, and it is considered the third best garden in the entire world behind Versailles and the Royal Garden. So literally this is, (laughs) yeah, she's like, if you have a day, go. You have to see this. Elite status garden. Yes. It's, Absolutely beautiful. So my mom and I, just the two of us, get in a cab and we're getting driven there. And 
this poor cab driver between COVID having his face covered and plexiglass and the strongest Irish accent of all time. We really could not understand this poor man talking, but he's telling us about where we are. And all I hear is Disney filming location. And I say, what? (laughs) Back back up, (laughs) sir, 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 back it up. Say more. And so he said, you know, that enchanted movie. And I'm like, Enchanted, the Disney movie Enchanted with Amy Adams. Adina almost just spit out her wine with this quote from this Irish taxi driver. And I said, Yep, I do know the movie. And he's like, I'm like, I do know this. And he's like, Well, the sequel that hasn't come out yet, they just filmed the entirety of it here. And I said, What are you talking about? And so I immediately look it up. The only articles that I can find are that they are going to be doing reshoots due to the fact that it didn't test well. And so I'm certainly not going to say that to this taxi driver, but I'm just like, (laughs) oh, wow. Okay. Because he's so proud. He's so happy that Disney filmed here. But all that I can see is that it didn't look good and they're going to do it again. So he takes us to the gardens and he says, you know, if you have time, instead of getting a taxi from the gardens, you should just walk down to the town square and just walk around. There's some shops and just get some coffee and then get your taxi from there. And we're like, okay, sure. So we go to the gardens. Stunning. Go to the gardens, everybody. And then we get and we do walk down to the town and it is Pardon my in Bruges reference here, but it's a fucking fairy tale there. Like I just it it's. What you see of Monroeville is this town. That that was oh. it. And it's real. And it's not a set. That was all a real place. And it was stunning. So I have lots and lots of pictures. We actually got coffee in the red building. That's Mary Popover's Bakery. That's an actual coffee shop. And What's so the got- real name, though? Poppies. That's so good. <laughs> it's super cute. So I have pictures of this entire town square being like, well, maybe it's going to be in a Disney movie. It sounds like it's not going to be in a Disney movie, but maybe it will be. So I'll take all these cute pictures. We got our coffee. We sat under that big tower that's right in the middle. That's real. That's there. We sat on benches surrounded by flowers. It was truly, truly a fairy tale there. And with this, I found an adorable little video of somebody interviewing the residents of Enniscary, asking them Aww. while while construction was in place, because they built some facades around all of these sure. places. And they're like, A, do you know what this is? B, how do you feel about it? All of that. And they are just the most adorable people being so excited. They're like, Amy Adams is coming back. Because fun fact, this was the second time that Amy Adams had filmed in Enniscary because she also filmed Leap Year there. So they were oh. all excited. They're like, oh my gosh, Amy Adams is coming back. And then they're like, and Patrick Dempsey will be here. And this is going to be this town and it's going to be a fairy tale. We're so excited for people to come and see our fairy tale town. And it's Adorable. I have a couple quotes from our stars about filming in Enniscary. Oh, please. So Patrick Dempsey posted a really pretty photo while he was there on his Instagram with the caption, truly grateful to be working in this beautiful country. Amy Adams said that this place is one of the most amazing places that she's ever been. And Maya Rudolph said, it's heaven on earth. I feel very lucky to be here. I understand why this is a very special place. 
Absolutely. And like, I agree with all of those things wholeheartedly. It really is quite magical there. And so it's at the foothills of these mountains. Yes, Ireland has mountains. They're not the same as what we think of as a mountain, but (laughs) Ireland does have mountains and this is a little foothill town. Speaking of Patrick Dempsey, the scene Mm. that he is out slaying a dragon, there's a waterfall (laughs) behind him. That is the tallest waterfall in all of Ireland, and it is at ah. the Powers Court Gardens. So lovely. Yeah, it was like, I saw them like, ah, big waterfall, Ireland. It has to be the one that's at Powers Court because that's the only one is really big there. So just kind of some other filming locations because I just like talking about Ireland because it's Please. beautiful there. The room in Malvina's house where she gets the wand and then has a not so great reaction with the wand mm-hmm. was filmed at Trinity College in Dublin in the dining hall from the 18th century. So <laughs> very old. I mean, Trinity College, I also went there. So beautiful. I have barely any pictures because I was just like, oh, my gosh, it's so old and beautiful. Uh, but they use the dining hall as Malvina's room in her palace, which is just super cool. Love it. And then the house is real. That pink house. Of course, it had mm. some extra fittings and everything to make it a little bit more fairy tale like but it is a very real house that you can go see it's in the burnaby area in graystones in county wicklow i'm just gonna ask you guess how long disney had the owners in a hotel during production oh god two months double it (gasps) yeah so the people who live in that house so that beautiful, beautiful pink house, Disney had them in a hotel in Dublin. I do know from the interviews that I had watched that Disney, like all of the shops that had to get closed down, like they were absolutely making sure to compensate every single person for everything. Good. Um, But yeah, four months. Like, can you imagine not living in your place for four months nope. because Disney is using it for a movie? Nope. Yeah, exactly. So about the, the reshoots, because... I found the articles, but watching the movie, that is 100% Ennis Carey. I I don't know what got shot, but I did watch the credits till the very, very end because I was like, I bet they're going to thank whatever place they shot this because that's what you do when you film on location. You say thanks to yes. the people of, thanks to the people of Ennis Carey, Ireland for that Mm -hmm. so they they did they must have done some reshoots and it must have just been smaller things but really it is and is scary that is the backdrop of this entire movie so if you're ever going to ireland if you're in the dublin area take a day trip out to powers court gardens and while you're out there walk on down from the gardens to the town center and you will be in a true fairy tale i would love to go back to ireland i was only there for 48 hours in 2012. Not enough time. No. It's such a beautiful country. It's it's stunning. I went to the Cliffs of Moher. Mm-hmm. So I got my my Harry Potter reference in there, filming location there. But now yep. I obviously have to go back to get my, my Disney fix in. Exactly. Obviously. Duh. That's and that's how I felt on this trip because we went to the we started in Galway, we went to the Cliffs of Moher, and then we went over to Dublin for my uncle's wedding. And so I was just like, I got Harry Potter, I got Disney. What other references can I get throughout this entire trip? It really is stunning. There's a beauty in Ireland that's kind of this quaint beauty 
that just is perfectly captured, I think, in the town of Enniskerry. So yeah, everybody go visit, go give them some love, go to Poppy's, go get some coffee from Poppy's and get go shopping in the little um, shops around too. We'll post pictures of Enniskerry because it's just so dang cute. Yeah, I really just want to see what all of these shops are actually called, not... I have pictures not, of all of them. Okay, good. Because like, I will say the Easter eggs were far more noticeable in this movie than in Enchanted 1. Yeah, they really, and without overdoing it, because I think it was good how they did it. And of course, when you have a sequel, like just just lay it on us. And dear Lord, I started writing them down and I was going to initially, my notes are like, ooh, start deep diving this. And by I'll say what point in the movie, I was like, oh, no, don't deep dive this. We're like 10 minutes in and it's too much. Slow it down. Personally, I thought it was a little too much. I like the little subtle things like during the song Batter, which, ooh, great song. Yes. The music was phenomenal. Um, yes. But during the song Batter, like, Malvina's just kind of going through her cupboard and then there's like a little rose. Like, I liked that. But the, hey, can you pick which Disney movie this is? Like, here's this thing and this thing and this thing. I was like... Okay, guys, you're making up for something here. I will get into this later. So as you said, there's not a lot of facts about this movie, but something that stuck out to me from when we did Enchanted was that Disney Animation Studios did not do the animation for Enchanted, and that still sticks to this movie, which is so weird. It's super bizarre. In our first movie, James Baxter was the lead animator, and there were several Disney veterans that worked on the animation to make it seem more Disney-like. But this movie, the animation scenes were outsourced to a French-Canadian company called Tonic DNA. They've worked with a bunch of clients like Facebook and Apple and Nike, and they do all of these animation for for these other clients. But I think it's so weird that they didn't use their own animation studio. I agree. And I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't do that. Like if there's some weird contract because it's live action, you can't. Like I don't know if there's anything funky like that, but like I agree why? 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 I really I really don't know, but it's very clear to me that this was a different animation studio working on this. Like everybody yeah. looks completely different. Yeah, it actually I felt thrown off at when we very. first see not and not even Pip and his kids, but when we actually see like Edward and Nancy and we see the, yeah. the people yes. as animated, yes. I'm like this looks off. And that's weird to say that it looks off. Yeah. No, I was not bothered by the woodland creatures. Those looked the same. But if you're going to animate characters that we have already met in animated form in a previous movie, why are you making them different? Right? It was it was yeah. peculiar. I have one final thing, and then I think we're going to go into actor facts after this. But I did not look up the music. I know, everybody. Let's all take a gasp together. <gasps> okay. So Rachel. I didn't... <laughs> I know, I know, because I wanted to do something a little bit different. Like I already said, I said at the beginning that my dives are a little bit different than how I normally do things here. And that's because a lot of the story centralizes around the idea of a wand. And that got me thinking, 
when did wands come into play? Like, I know that wands Hmm. are a very old idea and wands have a very long history. But when did wands start to become something as part of literature and magic and all of that? So I did a little itty bitty. There's so much information, but I'm going to just do a very itty bitty uh, dive focusing on literature and the arts, less of practice of using wands. Though I will say, yeah, it can be found possibly that wands in some way were used as early as prehistoric times based on some archaeology finds from over 33,000 years ago. Like the idea of a wand be, it was a rod that was buried with a person. So we don't know what it meant. We don't have any information, but this idea that rods were with people long time before history even has Hmm. any reference. But like I said, I want to talk about it in literature. So we can really start to see our first written kind of usage of wands by Homer in the Iliad and the Odyssey. He both references what's called a rhabdos, meaning rod. So again, still not really a quote unquote wand, but this idea, it was meant to be thicker than what we would think of as a wand today, but the rhabdos were referenced in both the Iliad and the Odyssey. Damn, taking it way back. I am. But as I did my research, you'll see why I really want to talk about this. Because so these were used in villainous ways. So just a couple of references. They were used with uh, the gods of Hermes, Athena, and Circe. Athena used hers to make Odysseus old and then young again. And Circe used hers to turn Odysseus's men into pigs. So the gods were using these rods in villainous ways. Flash forward a little bit. I don't have a date on this, but again, Italian fairy tales began using wands in the hands of very powerful fairies in the late Middle Ages. Not a lot of information on when this really started. And then our next jump of wand usage in literature is in the 18th century. So like big jump, big, Whoa. big, big, big jump. Again, I'm not talking about any spell work or magic in the right, sense right, of right, any obviously. practicing religions. But the 18th century ballads, Alison Gross and the Laylee Worm of the Mackerel of the Sea, the villainesses use silver wands to transform their victims into animals. So again, wands are being used mm. like how they were in the Odyssey, that they right. were used in a villainous way. In C.S. Lewis' 1950s novel, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the white witch's most feared weapon is, for those of you who have read it, her wand. And again used in a villainous way. That leads us to when were wands associated with good, if ever? (laughs) Mid 20th century, MGM and Disney. They popularized magic wands in four films, which wands were used by benevolent female fairy characters. Mm -hmm. Those were Wizard of Oz, Pinocchio, Cinderella, and Sleeping Beauty. So all of those times, that's kind of the first time we see wands being used by somebody good. All of the other references of wands are always done by a villain. That's so interesting. I wonder why. My guess is, again, it has to do with more of the religious side of the usage of wands and how then therefore people who were kind of 
this is going to be a horrible way of phrasing it, but sorry, controlling the media back then were depicting wand usage as a villainous thing because it's not the good Christian thing to use a wand. So that's what I think is that's why wand usage in literature was oftentimes associated with villains. And it wasn't until Disney and the 20th century and MGM, but it wasn't until Disney that we actually got to see good people using wands. That's so fascinating. Huh. Right. So as I was, like I said, this is a really short thing. There's a lot of other research I did. I was looking into like how it ties into tarot and everything else, but just strictly literature, it goes all the way back to Homer not in a good way. And it wasn't until really 1939 with Wizard of Oz is the first time that we see a good witch, if you will, utilizing a wand. I was going to say that that's probably the most iconic. Take a drink. I know that's not the movie we're talking about, but still Doesn't iconic matter. moment. Mm-hmm. Most iconic moment to me in my young mind of a good person using a wand would be the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. If you like, you really have to stop and think, and there's not a lot of good wand usage. It's really, and then of course we get into like Harry Potter and we get into like a lot of fantasy. Sure. But that's so much later. Mm -hmm. Wow. Interesting. Thank you for doing that dive. I greatly appreciated it. It was little, it was fun. It was different, but then I was like, and it ties into Disney. So it's even better. So with that, hit me with them actor facts. Actor facts. Okay. <laughs> Again, not as much as I would have hoped, but we'll start out with Amy Adams as Giselle reprising her role. What a delightful character Giselle is. She is. And Amy Adams does such a good job. Such a good job. And she's also really good at switching from the good to the evil. I love Amy Adams. I love her she's, so much. She's such a good actor. So just a couple of things about her. Number one, she wore a wig, even though she has red hair. That's interesting. Isn't it? I don't know the reason behind it. But yes, she wore a wig for this movie. Um, She does do all of her own dancing in this movie. And I have a fun quote from her when she was on the Jimmy Fallon show. The last time I really danced as much as I'm required to dance in this, I was in my 20s and now I'm not in my 20s, and it feels different in your 40s. In my heart, I look like I'm in my 20s when I'm dancing, and then I would watch playback and be like, oh, that's not the same. (laughs) Oh, she looks so good dancing. She does look so good dancing. Um, And of course, she does most of her own singing, but some of the notes, particularly the coloratura soprano singing at the end of Fairy Tale Life After the Spell, was provided by Elsie Powell, who is a multi-Grammy and Emmy award-winning artist, best known for their work in film, television, and recording over the last two decades. My final little fact about Amy Adams is that her husband, Darren, and daughter, Aviana, make cameos during the town square scene. Aww. Okay, next up we have Adina Menzel, spelled very differently than my name. Well, not very differently. I was going to say not very differently. (laughs) Anyway, she plays Nancy, Nancy Tremaine. And we finally get some damn singing out of Adina Menzel. Yes, we have a quote. They gave me music to sing, which I didn't have in the first one, which was fine, actually. 
I was happy to be hired as just an actress. But now I'm really excited because these songs Stephen Schwartz and Alan Macon wrote. The songs are incredible. There's so much music and Amy singing her butt off. And it's just Patrick Dempsey singing and tap dancing. It's really glorious and joyful. And people are going to love it. I would agree with that. Seeing Patrick Dempsey sing and tap dance is very joyful. And I do love that. It, whew, Yeah. Patrick Dempsey singing. One of my first notes, I'm just going to say it right now, is fucking Patrick Dempsey's a smoke show, man. He is so hot. <laughs> Holy crap. That man Nick is so me. Absolutely. Okay. But let's talk about his on-set daughter, Gabriella Baldacchino as Morgan. I don't have a lot about her. This is one of her first roles, but she replaced our previous Morgan actress, who Mm -hmm. was Rachel Covey. Now, at the time of the first Enchanted, she was nine, playing a six-year-old. And now she is 24. Kind of a stretch to have a 24-year-old playing a 16-year-old, unless you're on the CW. (laughs) So (laughs) Gabriella Baldacchino was 19 during the time of filming for this movie. So a lot closer to the age she was portraying. I think she looks very similar to Rachel. Only difference was that Rachel Covey has brown eyes and Gabriella Baldacchino has blue eyes. But Rachel Covey does have a little cameo in the town square scene, but she is not an actress anymore. She is now a playwright and a composer. Ooh, good for her. Yes. And I thought that Gabriella did a wonderful job at portraying this really angsty 16-year-old whose family has just up and moved to the suburbs. (laughs) Oh, right. This girl is a city girl, and now she is in a little fantasy land. Yeah. Speaking of fantasy, we have Alan Tudyk as the scroll. So good. (laughs) So Alan Tudyk. I believe has been in every single Disney film since Wreck-It Ralph. God, he is such a talented both actor and voice actor. But this marks his third role in a live-action Disney movie after voicing K2SO in Rogue One and Iago in Aladdin. He he brings a lot of goodness to anything he does. Like you just you listen to him and you can't help but smile. I can't remember where I read this, but someone was giving him the compliment of having like an Ed Wynn-like quality. I agree. And I just, I thought that was such a wonderful, wonderful compliment. Yeah, that's a great comparison. Next voice actor we have is Griffin Newman as the voice of Pip, replacing Jeff Bennett and Kevin Lima. Griffin, my brother, my friend. I am so sorry. Yeah. I did not like you. In yeah. This. And the thing is, Pip was just so iconic. Like, we can drink or not drink. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Pip really was in Enchanted. Like, it's just such a great character, whether it's actual speaking Pip, whether it is squeaking Pip. Like, it doesn't really matter. Pip across the board was so good. And this just felt too much. Absolutely. But I actually do have quite a few facts about Griffin Newman in this role. This is his first voice acting gig in a feature film, and he got this role by accident. So, quote, the way I got the part 
was I was asked as a favor to fill in at a table read. One of the producers, who happens to be a friend of his, called him begging him to fill an empty seat at the Zoom table read. And they were hoping to find a famous person to do it, but then he received a call a week later to officially fill the role of Pip. Good for him. Like, good for him, but... So I'm going to give him a little bit of credit here. He not only did the voice acting, but he also acted out the scenes with makeshift puppets to help the actors engage with the character prior to the CGI being done. Now, this may sound very familiar. Rachel's nodding and smiling. So, quote, I'd take a puppet, or in the case of Pip, a little stuffed chipmunk, and I would act out the scenes with the actors. I'd put Pip in the scene, and I'd puppeteer him. I'd do his voice for the actors, and then they would remember their eye lines and what they were looking at. I borrowed this technique from the making of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. (laughs) As soon as you were saying that, I'm like, that is perfect. And you know what? I'm going to give him props for doing that. I don't know if he was asked. If he just came up to do that himself, he is truly a Disney legend in his own right. Just maybe put him in a different role. (laughs) Speaking of Disney legends getting different roles, my final two actors are Disney Broadway actors. Yay! So first up, we have James Monroe Iglehart, who plays the small role of the businessman on the train and the baker. And Iglehart is most notably known for winning a Tony Award for playing Genie in Aladdin on Broadway. So talented. So talented. Amazing. If you've never seen this man perform the role of Genie, go Google it right now look on youtube it yeah he's he is iconic i will give him i will a drink. cheers yeah cheers drink to this is. man cheers mm-hmm. but one of our other business people played by anna harada who was also the florist played the stepsister charlotte in the broadway production of roger and hammerstein cinderella so hey. we have two disney broadway actors in this movie and I just love that we get little nods to other forms of Disney. So those are all of my actor facts. I think it's time to thank our patron, Mr. Clocky McDowell. Clocky McDowell. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. We will be right back. Okay. So we are back. Our glasses are full. We are ready to talk about this movie. And my very first note is we get some different music for our Disney logo today, which is always fun when we get like a little something special during the Disney logo. I loved that. And I do love that, you know, you see those two little birds flying and then the Disney castle turns into Andalasia and we actually get to see the kingdom of Andalasia because In the first movie, we really only see Giselle's house and then the garden inside of the castle before Giselle is pushed into the portal. Yeah, we get the woods, the house, and the garden. So getting to see a little bit more about the people of Andalasia and that Andalasia is a real place, like, it's more than just one thing. We see, we learn Giselle's backstory. We do not get Giselle's backstory in Enchanted. So I appreciate this. But look, we get the classic Disney trope of orphaned baby raised by woodland creatures. 
And not just any woodland creatures. Can we just talk a little baby Pumbaa? My little baby Pumbaa is the cutest. I love. But we open up similarly to the first film of a book, but instead of the beautiful, wonderful, amazing, iconic Julie Andrews, we get Pip. Yeah. And and again, we get knockoff Pip. I have a question. We didn't ask this before. Did you enjoy this movie? I found this movie very cute. I think uh-huh. that this is a great movie to watch once. I I was wishing for a lot more. I got some things that I was hoping. I think I liked it more than I should because of the scenery and just like having that connection to the movie. But beyond mm-hmm. that, I was like, it's okay. I would agree with you. It was, it was okay for a movie that we have been waiting 15 years for. Yeah. Like, visually stunning. The music, stunning. But the story, it was just kind of lacking. So if you hear that as we are talking, dear listeners, that's why. Yeah, and I mean, they I will just say, they, they had a tough task. They really did, because Enchanted was so incredible when it came out, and that it was so unique, and it was just a beautiful movie that like so many people could relate to, because you either related to Giselle, or you related to Robert, or you related to... like mm-hmm. It was a very relatable movie for being a fantasy fairy tale, and that's a lot to live up to, and I don't... I, it didn't live up to it, and it is a sequel, and it's one of those, like, yep, you you made a sequel, and I agree. Like, you would expect a little bit more after how long they had. Pip and his children are about to say what I think is the problem with this movie, which is that in a normal fairy tale, what happens is they find love, and then, quote, you just get married, then nothing ever happens to you again. Yep. Which made me laugh, but me also laugh. that is what happened with Enchanted. Like, they ended up in their happily ever after, and now we're seeing what happens after happily ever after, and it's kind of just like, eh. I think they could have done it differently. I like the idea yes. of what happens in the after part of happily ever mm-hmm. after, but it just fell short. Like, this isn't what I expected it to be, and, like, it's trying to do too many things. Like, if you want to have Giselle turn into a wicked stepmother, like, I, I get that angle, but it just doesn't fit her character. No. And if you want her to go have a different fairy tale, okay, I get that, but how is that? Like, they're trying to do a lot of things, and in doing mm-hmm. that, it just is like, eh. I agree. Let's flash forward. After Pip has finished reading the story to his children, we learn that Giselle and Robert did get married and they have had another baby named Sophia. During this voiceover, we see Morgan is very much turned into a teenager. Really, I would love to give Gabriella so many props for so accurately playing this role. Yeah. We cut to the Philip family is going to be moving off to Monroeville, which is somewhere in the suburbs of New York. And Giselle is saying goodbye to her city woodland creatures. <laughs> we see Morgan is obviously pissed and um, she's being very sarcastic. And Giselle, despite living in New York and in the real world for 10 years does not understand sarcasm. And I think that's kind of like where I kind of struggle with this movie a little bit is like, 
I get that she's from a different culture, if you will, but she hasn't adapted in any way to understanding Mm -hmm. their life. And it feels, I don't know, it, it felt weird to me watching this because really would she move her family from the city like this is their they are a city family this is all they know this is all they loved and like right. it just she never adapted to the city it it just this is where i kind of feel like it just her character hasn't grown in 10 years everybody else has grown in Correct. 10 years and she has not at all i think if morgan I wouldn't say if she was younger cuz i think she's the appropriate age for the storyline but if she had started out a few years older in the original movie and then they move, that would make more sense to me Yeah, in this timeline that we have created. Yeah. It just, their relationship seems funky. Giselle not changing. Cause like, we'll see it later. Nancy's changed. Like Nancy Completely. has, Nancy has progressed. Is, Nancy is a cartoon character and Giselle is also still a cartoon character, but not. Yeah. We are now in Monroeville. Yes. And we arrive at this castle. It is not a house. The first thing Giselle says is, oh, look, the walls are back up. And then Morgan goes, the walls were down? I get like having the whole idea of a fixer upper. You're going to move. Like, uh, <laughs> this house was not move in ready. And it's not even like fixer upper a red like nope. you can't live in this house no nope. you cannot live in this house with a baby can we talk about they put a baby in this house let's oh never really God. address Awful. they that is horrible parenting yeah so then we get the song even more enchanted which delightful very cute all the songs are very cute this song was super fun but it also is like oh she's just singing imagine if you are one of these construction workers but also just like this seems like everyday life that Morgan is just dealing with her mom breaking into song. And I will say like, yes, she is her mom, but she also is her stepmom. Like it yeah. is. And so there's that dynamic that like, yes, absolutely. I would say Giselle is Morgan's mom, but at the same time, her stepmom. <laughs> this is her stepmom. This is the woman that her father married. <laughs> breaking into song all the time. We're, we're seeing the house. It's all being literally it's a construction zone it's not it's not a home yet and then we go to morgan's room i am surprised by morgan's reaction so we open it up and it is like a fairy tale and morgan looks and she's like kind of annoyed but then when she sees how excited her parents are she's like oh okay like this is great and this is the first time that she calls giselle mom i wonder like how long she's been calling giselle her mom I really liked that moment quite a bit. And again, it really goes to Gabriella's acting that like she really does have this change in this moment. It feels really genuine of like, oh, wow, Mm -hmm. I see how much my parents love me and care for me and know that they want this to be easier on me than it's going to be. Like she just does some really great acting in this moment. And it, it, it felt really real seeing her do all of that. So something that didn't feel real to me was that when she turns the light on and then the fuse is like, you know, catching everything on fire, she goes, those are all my clothes. I'm like, I'm sorry, you're 16 years old and all of your clothes fit into two boxes. That is unrealistic. 
That's very unrealistic for a city girl. After they smother the fire and all of her clothes are ruined, we hear someone saying, oh, hello, Philip family. And it is Malvina Monroe, the unofficial queen of Monroeville because she and her husband founded it. She shows up with these two gift baskets that she made. I love Maya Rudolph. I love her in everything that I have seen her in. She is such an amazing actress and just really dives deep into a role. And she goes so over the top, but in a way that is believable. I was going to say pompous Maya Rudolph is so good. Like When she is this pompous style character, it does not matter what she's in, but when she has this air of... I'm better than you. Oh, that's the best Maya Rudolph ever. I love it. It like brings me so much happiness. And I do love Yvette Nicole Brown and Jayma Mays as her little sidekicks, Rosaline and Ruby, who are like, essentially Malvina is like the wicked stepmother. And then those are the stepdaughters. But like yeah. her her little her little minion henchmen ladies. Her minions. Is that a word? Minions. Hench- I, like, I like henchwomen. But it's, it's minions just, because later um, on, Giselle minions, says she wants yes. minions. So like they have to be minions yes. for continuity. The minions are like, she's basically the queen of Monroeville. And then Giselle, with all of her naivety, is just like, oh, well, every place needs a queen. Like, thank you so much. I can't wait to get to know you. I can't wait to like be part of this community. And she's just so wholesome. She is. And God bless her. And again, that makes me question our timeline here. Because if it had only been a year or two, I could believe it more that she doesn't quite understand that this woman is being a completely passive-aggressive bitch. You know, like, how much time would make sense? Four fucking years later, like it was originally. Like, that would – this storyline four years after the fact. The only issue would be Morgan wouldn't be snarky enough. But, like, she could start to be getting there. Make it five years. Five years. If Morgan had been 10 or 11. Yeah. And now she is 15, 16. Perfect movie. So now we we cut to them falling asleep. Everyone's in the same room. Here, Rachel here's, has a thought. Yeah. Here's my thing. I am so sorry. They couldn't get Morgan an air mattress. Like, you're having your daughter, who's already super grumpy who now has to share a room with her parents and baby sister, and you can't get this girl an air mattress? You can't get her a couch? You can't get her a Michael Scott footbed? You can't get anything for this girl to sleep on other than the floor? Like, what the hell? I was super annoyed. It's just until the smoke clears in her room. I would be so pissed if I was Morgan. Can I be real, though? They probably didn't have room for an air mattress at their New York high-rise apartment. And so it's not something they thought that they would need. I don't Go know if there town. is some sort of a This town is very fairy tale-y. I don't know if they have an air mattress store. I'm sure there's a bed bath and beyond somewhere. <laughs> like you have to come go back on, to people. the city for that. You have I to guess. Go back to the city for that. But so yeah, they're going to bed and as soon as everybody falls asleep as you know, real life happens, it's 5 a.m. And now we have to get ready because Robert is commuting. And so he needs to be up and at him immediately. Okay. 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 Oh, 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 okay. Okay. Why would you move on a Sunday? Why wouldn't you move 
at least on a Saturday to give yourself one day to adjust to new life. Or take time off work. You know, that is a great question. I kind of just assumed that Robert was getting called in on a weekend, but then again, everybody's going to work. So now, yeah, you're right. They 100% moved on a Sunday, which is dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Dumb. As someone who moved into a new home, I moved over the weekend. Same. Like a normal person. Same. And I took time off work. I was just like, I'm moving on a Friday. And like both you and I were not moving. Like you moved kind of far away. Not that far away. Not that far. But like they're moving significantly. So... Giselle is trying to make the best of a bad situation. She's trying to make breakfast, but nothing in the kitchen works. Again, is this not something you would want to make sure is working in your home before you move? With a baby. Before you move with an infant. So they don't have the gas working. The electric is shot. Their appliances don't work. What's going on? And then during all of this hubbub, the well that for some reason happens to be in their backyard becomes a portal to Andalasia. So Perfect. what is our magic here? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Because we don't want to think about these things. Because- I, I have so many questions. Okay. Because in the first movie, it seems like the only person who can create this magic portal is our evil queen, Nerissa. But now, good magic can create a portal anywhere it wants. And since when do Edward and Nancy have magic they don't have magic they can't then who made the portal i'm sorry i'm getting really worked up maybe they have their own andalasian wishing wand for edward maybe edward has his own wand because he is a true son of andalasia so he like this seems like something that he could maybe have as a prince he would have that they could do whatever the hell they want with it sure fine whatever so nancy and edward arrive the way that Edward sings, Robert, killed me. (laughs) James Marsden, still so amazing. I still have a crush on him. I needed more of him. But then they're all talking and Robert is late for work because obviously, because he should have tested this out because of a lot of things. But on his way out, Edward hands Robert his sword, which then he actually brings on the train with him, which what? think that's illegal. Oh, look, an Andalasian wishing wand. Because, okay, that's a thing that exists in this world now. And they're giving it to Sophia for her first birthday. And now we finally get Adina Menzel singing. (laughs) After 12 years, we finally... No, no, no. 15 years since Enchanted. Adina Menzel really has a glow up in the Disney universe. Can we just talk about that? She went from like unhappy businesswoman to queen to queen like what but what is a baby gonna do with a magic wand why would you gift it no baby this baby cannot talk it can babble that was my babbling said that was my babbling i can't really babble oh i understood (laughs) what a dumb gift for a baby but also, what a dumb gift to be touting how it's for a true daughter of Andalasia in front of fucking Morgan, man. Like, what'd you do for her? Like, as if Morgan needed another reason to hate everything about her life right now. Like, read the room. Read the room, Nancy and Edward. 
Giselle is like, yeah, you know, is life easier in Andalasia? No, of course it's not. It's a fucking magical world and there's trolls and goblins and whatever. But now we cut to Robert getting on the train. It is his first day. He meets his little train mates. Um, but she then goes, yeah, you're just going to be writing this over and over and over and over again until you die. Yeah, I could have gone without this scene. Thank you very much. This was not a helpful scene to people who are in the working world. Not a great scene. I don't know if this is a hot take because this movie just came out. I could have gone without Robert's entire storyline. I think it is unnecessary. It's only necessary because I like the eye candy. And if they're not going to give me James Marsden, give me Patrick Dempsey. I don't care in what capacity, but his actual storyline, it adds nothing. It adds literally nothing. Anyway, so now... Morgan's outfit has been ruined, but she has to still go to her first day of school. So she has to wear the outfit that Giselle was wearing the day before. Which I had so many questions. Why? That was the most biggest one. Like, I don't care that she was, she's from a fairy tale land. She just moved in this outfit the day before. I don't know about you, but I'm a sweaty, stanky girl. And like, I would not want somebody to be wearing my moving clothes the next day. I'm sorry. But also those would never be my moving clothes. My moving clothes are definitely what I'm wearing right now, which is a shirt and leggings. But them stanky is all I'm saying. saying. Uh Uh-huh. Unless they have a magic washing machine. They don't because we know their appliances don't work. (laughs) But she says the line, I feel like a human get well bouquet. Morgan has the best one-liners. I love Morgan's bitchy teenager one-liners. They are phenomenal. And I know this is very cliche to say because duh, but like I mean it in more than one way. Morgan is the hero of this story. And like I get Mm, that Morgan's mm -hmm, the hero of mm -hmm. the story, but I also just mean... Morgan is what makes this movie good. (laughs) Honestly, I want to see Gabriella in more things because she is a fantastic actress. Okay, moving on. We're now at school. Yeah. Oh, boy. And um, we we learn that there's going to be the Monroeville Festival. Then Giselle sees Morgan off to school and starts to sing. And I'm just like back in my 16-year-old self being like, ooh. Most cringy thing on earth. Yeah, I I felt for Morgan right there. But then Morgan meets Tyson. They have an adorable little meet cute. We learn Tyson is a really nice guy. Great, good guy. Then we cut to the coffee shop in town, and we see that the barista is Oscar Nunez. That was a really nice surprise. I did not know he was in this movie. So when he's Me there, neither. I was like, oh, he's he's doing this real good. That like that, he's great for that. Look. Y'all know we both love The Office. So seeing this man in this movie was delightful. But apparently he knows everything. He seems like he would be a little too crazy with how jittery he is with everything. But he also is like an all-knowing person. But anyway, Giselle walks up to Malvina and is trying to be very friendly and nice. And it doesn't really go very well. No, it does not. Shockingly. So we cut back to the house and Giselle has made a cricket carnival. It's so cute. I love it. You know what? Say what you want. I love it. And then Morgan comes home and had a really bad day. Morgan comes home and she's really struggling and Giselle wants to help. And Morgan is very adamant. 
let me do this on my own. I I can handle Mm -hmm. this. I need to do this. And Giselle does not listen. (laughs) No, she does not because we cut to the next day at school and Giselle has baked a bunch of cupcakes to rally for Morgan to be the festival princess. Oh, Giselle, no. And obviously Morgan freaks out. So Morgan goes to the city. We don't know this yet. We see Giselle and Robert very anxiously awaiting her to get home. It is 10 o'clock at night. And Giselle says the line to Robert, when was the last time you were truly happy? Yeah, this also doesn't really make sense. Like, it, you feel this. You, it, like, it's in a very emotional moment. But it's also like, that's not the story that we're telling right now. Why is this coming up? Like, if you want that to be the story, I think that could be a very fascinating story to have gone down. But that's not really, because we don't really come back to that. But, okay, so Morgan gets home. She very angrily is yelling at Giselle. And Robert's like, don't talk to your mother that way. And she's like, no, she's my stepmother. And in the heart, that hurt. Then Giselle's like, all I want is for life to be happy and for things to be easy for my family. I'm going to make a wish. And that's told through the song Fairy Tale Life, which is a very pretty song. I'm going to be completely honest. I was very distracted during this song because Giselle's dress that she's wearing is this beautiful dress and the fabric has mushrooms all over it. And it is so pretty. Incredible. I'm like, I love it. I have a pattern for a dress very similar to that. I would like to find some mushroom fabric and make a dress that looks very similar because that I, I want one. I like okay. I want we'll one. Get, we'll make matching ones. <laughs> I, I like okay. could not focus during this because the whole time my only notes are about this damn mushroom dress. I'm like, I know this is the I want moment, but I don't care about the I want moment because I want that dress. Giselle's fashion through this entire movie is mm. so good. Mm, 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 mm. So much better than the first one. Yes. But then as she's in the middle of the song, Pip just happens to show up in the magical wishing well, whatever. Nope, not how life works. Um, And then she makes the wish. Yeah. But I will say I do love Pip showing up and I do love watching with subtitles because it shows what Pip is actually saying as opposed to just the... Yeah, you can actually, yeah, I would recommend if you haven't watched this movie yet, I know we've spoiled all of it, but watch this movie with subtitles, at least just for the first bit while we have Pip as his chipmunk self, because you will be able to understand what he's saying. Giselle makes a wish, and I write in all caps with many exclamation points, read the scroll first before you make a wish, Giselle. Oh, I just say, have we not learned anything about making wishes? <laughs> just like, right. I feel like at this point, everybody in the world knows you got to be careful with your damn wish, because if you're not careful with your damn wish, you're going to have a bad time. Like, the, everybody knows that by now. So then she wakes up and I write, the fact that she doesn't find the birds speaking to her weird makes me think that she can actually fully understand all of the creatures talking to her in regular New York. I think she can. I've always thought she could. It's fucking weird. No, you know what it is? It's loud. That seems very loud. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but as... So she does go to sleep, but before she wakes up, I just want to say, because we kind of said this earlier, the visuals 
that we get of the wish pouring out and the wish transforming mm. the house and the well and just how the the visual part of this was stunning. Beautiful. Whoever wow. our like our animation our our like the set designer whoever was in charge of making this magic come to life. Chef's kiss beautiful. Yeah. So she wakes up, goes downstairs to the kitchen, all the appliances are alive. I was very mm. worried and concerned mm. about those appliances. Mm. Um, so we get part two of fairy tale life after the wish. Yep. And Morgan is singing. Robert is singing. Everyone's singing. And it's delightful. I I wrote, oh my gosh, this song is amazing. <laughs> like It's so good. The it, whole is thing, it is phenomenal. Magic. But then I have the question, oh, so there is no school in Andalasia because Morgan is preparing to do her chores. I mean, she is preparing to do her chores as like stepdaughter and like so like Cinderella never went to school. None of these fairy tale things that we've ever seen have ever gone to school. If we're looking at a timeline, if we're going to place things and when they should take place, those are 17th century. This is the 21st century where is women it? go to school. Is it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, we don't know anything. Based, based on fashion, I would disagree with that statement. Fair. Okay. So we see the house at its full potential, which is so gorgeous. I All the flowers coming off. Oh, my God. I want to live there. Yeah. Um, to the owners who had to go live in a hotel, if you ever – you would make bank if you rented that place out. Just saying. Right? Turn it into an Airbnb. You would make oh. a lot of bank. Just so we'll much be your money. customers. Just saying, just, we we'll will get give us a dollar amount. We may or may not be able to pay it. We will pay it. Let me tell you, we will make it happen. We have Giselle, who is so excited that she now lives in a fairy tale world, yes. and then Malvina shows up in a mm-hmm. stunning dress. Oh my god, she's just beautiful. Let's be honest, she is fucking killing it. So she's like, oh, are you ready for tonight? And Giselle goes, oh, what's tonight? And then we cut to OG Morgan going, the festival, my lady? <laughs> and then we hear a clock tick and Giselle switches from being her normal self into sassy evil Giselle. And I love the effect of her eyes changing. I think also she just looks so good with those yellow eyes. Mm, like I don't yes. know how it like it, it, how it complements her skin and how it complements her. She looks so good when they change her eyes. And again, her acting where she's able to do this switching back and forth. Woo. So good. So good. So then Malvina spots the Andalasian wishing wand, which why did Giselle not leave it at home? That is so so dumb. So dumb. It's so dumb. And Malvina obviously spots it and then heads off to former coffee shop, which is now her lair. And there's a magic mirror who is Oscar. And he shows that Giselle is the most powerful in the land. And oops, let's go and steal that wand, ladies. Yeah, and so she sends her hench women. Oh, I wrote hench women. Fun fact. <laughs> Wait, that makes me so happy. <laughs> this was a real reaction. Okay, uh, she sends her hench women to steal the wand. But while they are dress shopping for Morgan for the festival, the clock strikes again, and Giselle becomes very vain and obsessed with looking beautiful. 
And so she takes this very sparkly, beautiful dress. And we cut back to the house. And Pip, who has been thrown into the gutter, he magically reappears somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And Giselle's like, oh, all these boxes, they're, they're not all for me. Or here's this one for Morgan. Morgan, look at your dress. And she takes the dress out of the box and a pair of scissors casually falls to the floor and the dress is ruined. When? How? So, yeah, what? I was so confused by that. Yeah, I don't know. It, lots of questions. And then Morgan is being so polite about this dress. Like, oh, it looked really different in the shop. And Giselle is really bad at being evil but pretending to be good. Yes. In the meantime, though, we have henchwoman Ruby climbing into Sophia's crib to grab the wand but drops the fakest ruby earring I have ever seen in my life. Yeah, that was plastic. <laughs> oh, that was 100%. Those are beads that I received in a like $10 bead kit yeah. as a child. Yeah, I, the jewelry design, not the best. So then Giselle snaps back to reality. Oop, there goes gravity. And looks in the mirror and says, oh my God, my hair is so high and my dress is so low. And the face that she makes when she's like, I think I'm turning into an evil stepmother. She just like goes, and then Pip goes, oh yeah, I can see it. And then Pip starts to turn into a cat. Now I'm going to say I didn't originally realize that he was turning into a cat. I thought like something was just going wrong with the magic. Like that is in my head what I thought was happening. Oh, I 100%. As soon as something (laughs) happened, I said, oh, he's about to be a cat. Because I know Wicked Stepmom has to have cat. And we do get our cat Pip, which I... mm, My feelings about cat Pip are not as fond as Chipmunk Pip is all I'll say. Even though I have a cat, I'm just like... "Mm." Now they have asked a question about the wishing wand. So the magic scroll appears and we learn that... All of the magic that took to make this world different is being taken from Andalasia. So she has until midnight to change her wish because, of course, it's midnight. And, uh uh-oh, the wand is missing. So she takes the baby into town to go find the wand, and it looks like she's just frantically talking to herself. The final thing that the scroll tells her is that the three traits of confirming that she is an evil stepmother or wicked stepmother, which is being vain, cruel, and ambitious. And she's already been vain. We saw we saw her be vain earlier mm-hmm. at the thing. So now we know there's two more signs until she's fully changed, and that is cruel and ambitious. We'll cut to Morgan being in the the town, and she meets our commuters who are now the baker, the florist, and all of our other commuters. And I yes. just want to say that that's really adorable. But Giselle has taken the baby. They've gone in town, and she's looking for a potion that can undo this because she doesn't have the wand. So let's just undo it with a potion or a tincture. The tincture or ungent? So she's like, oh, Morgan will be fine. Nothing ever happens to young girls in Andalasia except everything. Girl, seriously? Nothing bad happens? You you were literally being attacked by a troll ogre thing before Edward came around. What do you mean nothing happens? You dumb dumb? Correct, Amundo. So 
we now see Morgan wandering through the market as Giselle is on also wandering through the market and she's having yet another meet cute with Tyson. And then Giselle overhears that Tyson is about to ask Morgan to the ball. And she says, stepmothers never handle this well. But then she proceeds to watch this whole thing instead of removing herself from the situation so that right. this wouldn't happen and she wouldn't hear what was going on. Yeah, it was it was very much like you recognize it. You're in a good state right now. You're not under this mm-hmm. curse or whatever it may be. Get yourself out of there. But no, she doesn't. Exactly. And she sees this, which is not good. And as she's seeing this and kind of feeling it, we then cut to Malvina, who now has the wand from her henchwomen, and mm-hmm. she tries to use it, and that literally backfires on her. Literally. Then she asks, how does this magic work? And the scroll appears. So they capture the scroll and make the scroll tell them everything about this wand. And then we cut to another Robert storyline that I don't think needs to happen no. at all. No. And then Giselle is being very cruel, locks Morgan in the tower. Check, check. Check. Yep. Another thing about being a wicked stepmother. But Robert does realize that apparently his true calling is to just be a father. Then Morgan decides that she's going to escape. I don't know why looking at this squishy dragon fruit is going to make her realize that she can climb down the tower a la Rapunzel. I don't think it's that. I think that it's her realizing, I want to get to Tyson. I need to talk to Tyson. It's not uh, being her the reason of sense. how to leave. Okay. It's not the how. It's the the why I need to leave. You know what? That's reasonable. <laughs> ah, yay. Look at me creating reason. So we get this really great scene as Giselle sees Morgan coming down and she kind of stops her in this wicked way. And then Giselle goes through this moment that I wrote in my notes is very Lord of the Rings, is incredibly yes. Lord of the Rings here of Gollum, yes. and, Gollum and Smeagol and this moment of yes. talking the good and the bad. And you get to just see this mm-hmm. transition. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible. And it ends with we don't know which version of Giselle pushing Morgan into the well. We can only assume it's the good one, but then the face makes it seem like it's definitely not the good one. Phenomenal. Excellent acting, Amy Adams. But now it seems like evil Giselle has taken over and she has to go find the wishing wand because now she's not an evil stepmother. So she needs to fulfill her true purpose, which is becoming the queen of Monralasia. Sure. Um, and she discovers the earring, so she knows who to go after. We cut to Giselle in the throne room slash coffee shop, and we have Malvina sitting for a portrait, looking very bored, and... <laughs> I just say, then we cut uh, to the good old villain tango. We just... Oh my God. It's so no, good. You really need this villain tango number to just elevate anything you do. And when you have two villains involved in the villain tango, mm, 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 mm. very good. My favorite lines are, I'm the heart and brains, but you, you're just the bladder. <laughs> what? <laughs> so they need, dumb. They need a rhyme with batter, okay? <laughs> but I find that it doesn't really fit that Giselle is trying to be this big evil villain because she lives in a big pink bright house whereas Malvina is actually in a villain's house yeah I would have thought if I was Giselle I would have like splashed some paint or like done some form of like 
get some henchwomen of my own to like paint the house and make it look villainous yes. instead of going to a pink. It it did feel distracting. It's a lot. It's it's distracting. But then we are in Andalasia and Morgan is now realizing who she is and what she's doing here. We see that Andalasia is in ruins and there is a giant hole in the sky sucking up mm-hmm. these ruins of Andalasia. Uh-huh. So this does not look like the Andalasia that she was told about through Giselle. No, tis not looking promising. Um, but then we're going to cut back to Giselle getting ready for the festival in a stunning burgundy number. Oh, it's so pretty. So now they're in the carriage getting ready to go. And Robert goes, where's my daughter? So he exits the carriage to go find Morgan. And now we cut back to Andalasia. There's a lot of cutting back and forth here. Yeah. And they discover Giselle's memory tree, which is now dead because Giselle does not remember who she is. Now, memories are magic, though, apparently, because Morgan remembers something and turns the branch back to life. And then we get the song Love Power. I have two big things in this song. The first is like the great transformation that's all cute and everything. The Cinderella reference. Great. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Adina Menzel singing Let It Glow and Let It Grow. She can't. Stupid. Why did you do that? Why would you do that? Stupid. I um, dislike that strongly. <laughs> the lyrics of this song are bad. Dum dum dum. So through this song, after we've transformed Morgan, Morgan and Nancy decide they're going to go back to use this power to stop Giselle and fix everything. And this is where I get depressed because Edward's like, I'm going to stay and protect Andalasia. Fuck you. Now I want to see real you. What is he going to do? How is he going to stop the world from disappearing? Pip, in the midst of all of this, goes and steals the wand from our henchwomen who are just mm-hmm. yelling at each other. And he goes and he brings the wand to Giselle. And Giselle walks into the festival that is going on and apparently uses the sonorous spell from Harry Potter to make her voice sound a lot louder. The wrong crossover. I don't understand how this wand is working because Giselle, all she has to say now is, I wish, and then the wand understands what she is wishing for. Whereas before she had to say, I wish so and so and so. She's so powerful now? Through the midst of all of this, Morgan thinks that what is going to get Giselle to remember her true self is to look at her magic memory tree and be reminded. So then the memory tree goes flying and Giselle looks at it and rips it up and says, just another piece of garbage. But apparently that is how the magic was released. It doesn't... (laughs) I, I mean, I guess it's like housing the magic of the memories in there. Nope. Okay. I Yeah, I don't have an answer. So now all she has to do is unwish her wish. But oh no, Malvina has captured Morgan with a sleeping draft and encircled her in these poisonous vines and is going to kill her. I will say, as you're getting to this, this ending kind of dragged. Pacing was kind of okay throughout the movie, even with the unnecessary storylines. But we get to this ending and I'm like, we're not done? Wait, Malvina's doing something else? Right. Because we had to make Morgan our true heroine of the film. We already thought she was. So Malvina goes, give me the wand or Morgan dies. She just kind of drops it in surprise. Yeah. Malvina counts it. 
breaks the wand. The clock is about to strike midnight, making the wish permanent. So Robert and Tyson run up to the clock tower to stop it from- To physically stop the clock. Like, I get that it's a fairy tale. I get that. Like, that that part, I get that we're doing a fairy tale here and therefore time doesn't exist. But at the same time, time does exist no matter what. It's after midnight. Back in the throne room, Giselle is like floating away. So here's my question. Is she going away because she has Andalasian magic in her? Because she's Andalasian? Is it because, why is she going away? Like, why, I'm sorry. All of Andalasia, anything Andalasian is dying. So, okay, okay, does that mean the baby's dying? (laughs) But then- Giselle has this bright idea. I'm too weak, but Morgan, why don't you grab the wand and try to make it work? Even though it's broken in half, you can still use it. And And Morgan goes, I'm not a daughter. It's after midnight. Morgan goes, I'm not a daughter of Andalasia. And then Giselle's like, oh, you are a true daughter of Andalasia because you are my daughter. And I'm like, I understand the sentiment. It's very beautiful, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But no. Right. Like, it's actually, it's actually no. That's, that, that's going to be a no for me, dog. Like, that's not, she's not. So, uh, this is, the whole ending of this movie, that sound that I just did, uh, that's all I'm doing this whole time. Dumb, 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 dumb. But then Morgan wishes to be back home with her mom. That's a cute wish. Everyone wakes up back in their own beds, and the only people that remember anything are Morgan and Giselle. Which I'm so confused by that. Do the Andalasian people remember what happened? Because it seems like they all disappeared. If we're being honest with each other, they're gone. Do they remember that they got... Yeah. It seems fine, because then the next scene we cut to is everyone kind of being like, oh, I had a weird dream last night. Like, they just are looking hungover, but they're not hungover. And, like, I don't... And then there's a cute little picnic. And then once again, Nancy and Edward give them a gift that has magic. But Robert has opened a small practice in Monroeville. He is no longer commuting to the city. Morgan is happy, seems to have a new boyfriend. And everyone's living their happily ever after life now. Okay. The end. So here's the dealio. This movie, I... I it's cute. And again, maybe because I was there, like it it does... I. The first bit of this movie up until the like climax of the movie, I'm really, I'm, I'm enjoying. It's cute. It's fine. It's whatever. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. we get to this ending and the climax and ending of this movie, they drag, they like contradict what they've already talked about. You and I, we talk about this all the time in episodes. We love the lore that comes with any sort of magic and any sort of movie Mm -hmm. that you have. We love that. And they just are willy nilly contradicting it, making it up, changing it around as they go. And that that's, that's where you, you lose me as a viewer. I can't handle the contradictions. hundred percent agree. And (sighs) visually amazing movie. Yep. Musically amazing movie. Yep. Story-wise, acting. Oh, everyone acts phenomenally with the script that they were given because this script is so problematic. And I really, truly expected better of a movie that's literally 15 years in the making. I agree. I agree. 
Was it enjoyable for me to watch? Yeah. Yes. It's not going to be one of my frequent rewatched movies. I've like, got to be honest. Like with Halloween Town, I've like hit my limit for the amount of times yes. I need to see this movie yes. for the time being. And at some point in the future, I'll watch it again and I'll be like, okay, yep, this was cute. Like that that's kind of where I'm at with sure. this movie. So like. A hundred percent. With that, with all of that, I just want to know, are we doing something a little different next week? <laughs> okay. Of all the things and all the problems that I had with this movie, I do enjoy a wonderfully magical story. Yeah. And my next pick is all magic. Oh. I'm taking it way, way back to Fantasia. Oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Wow. And we had we had the little Fantasia broom reference during the the like one of the musical numbers. So like it fits in, but I love the magic theme and this has no script, so to yeah. speak. You guys, so, how much music referencing am I going to be doing in next? I need to like work on my chops mm-hmm. here because I've played half of the music that's in this movie. I have so much to say about the mu- music in this movie. Oh my God. I will literally have no actor facts, so I will have to find something to talk about. But I'm very excited. We haven't done an old school Disney movie in a while. This is OG Disney. So I'm very excited. And he does have a magic wand. He does. Oh, man. I'm super excited for this. I'm going to get thinking on some wine, but I also am going to be thinking on... I have a, I already have a lot to say about this movie, so that will be so much fun. That is an incredible pick. So I think all there's okay. left to do for the time being is... I have nothing in my glass. But <laughs> oh, well, I enjoyed this wine very much. I did too. But also, a very... Happy and hearty. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Disney Rewind. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and many other platforms where podcasts are found. Connect with us on social media by visiting at Disney Rewind on Instagram and on Facebook.com slash Disney Rewind for some fun content and moments mentioned on this episode. Join us over on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Disney Rewind, and receive bonus episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and more behind-the-scenes content. For more information about us and our podcast, check...